I tell people I don't necessarily have to be doing anything. I could just go, I work on build classic cars in my spare time. I could just do that all day, every day if I wanted to. But here I am on a show with you and I'm working 16, 18 hours a day because there's, there's a much bigger purpose that I'm a part of. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. I'm super excited to go on a journey with everyone today with a special guest I'm bringing on the show. We got Roderick Lenhart, who's a Michigan born leader, personal development coach, author, volunteer, fundraiser, and uh, all around nice fella, as was pelled from the bio. But really, this is a gentleman who's about to launch his book called Million Dollar Flip Flops. He's worked in real estate, worked in sales, has a fascinating journey on how he was able to design a retired lifestyle at such a young age using concepts around our values, the waves method, and so much more, which is shared in his upcoming book, of course, Million Dollar Flip Flops. I can't wait for us to dive into his mission, what motivates him to come out of retirement and really be able to support an initiative that's really bringing the world to be closer together, more understanding of each other, and make some abundance in the process as well. So it is with my great pleasure that I bring Roderick on the Sign with Love podcast. Roderick, welcome. Hey, thank you, Jason. So honored to be here. Hey, I want to dive right into it. Most people can't even think that the possibility of being a millionaire wearing flip-flops can even exist. It seems like this, you know, thing that gets taunted about on the internet, but is this real? Is this a gimmick? What's the deal? No, it's very much real. And I think all of us go about it in a little different way. And that was certainly my journey as well. I'd like to say I did not get here in the normal path. So yeah, I think a lot of times when you hear these stories about, you know, making a ton of money, living by the beach, you would actually assume that somebody that's, you know, worked really, really hard for the, all of their life. And it's only what you get to achieve once you've attained retirement. But the path that you followed was very different. And you've been able to achieve that in quite a record time. So what happened there? So, you know, it really came down to identifying really early on what I wanted out of life. And, you know, you talked about time freedom in the opener and it was, that was it for me. It was never necessarily about the money. It was about being able to go out and experience the world. And, you know, I always said if I died tomorrow, and I've said this for now for 20 years, and hopefully it doesn't happen, but if I died tomorrow, I had a really good run. I've done the things I wanted to do. I didn't wait until I was 70 to buy back health or buy back time or buy back the loved ones that I wanted to experience those things with. And it's just something we're not necessarily taught, you know, how to think about life that way. It's true that the majority will probably not think of how you can approach this situation differently, but you were kind of given a chance or you've been able to stumble upon this or was it something that you've always had a curiosity for? So I'm just curious, like what made it so that you looked at the current system that, you know, path to 70, trying to buy back your time, buy back your health. And you said like, no, I think there's a better way. What were the fundamentals that needed to be in place for you to even challenge that, you know, yet alone actually achieve it? Yeah. I mean, what a deep question, right? <laughs> that would fill a couple hour podcast. I'll give you a little background, if that's okay. So I was that kid who, a lifelong entrepreneur, figured out at a really young age, I didn't want to work for anybody else. I was eight, nine, 10 years old, you know, selling candy at school and selling golf balls down at the end of the street and, you know, whatever I could do to get the things that I wanted, which at that time were Game Boys and Converse All-Stars and a bike and those kind of things. So 
you know, fast forward 20 years later and I'm going through college. I already have multiple businesses running both product and service based. And I'm only 19 years old. I graduate college. I moved to Charleston, South Carolina. And I took a job. You know, that's an evil, evil word in my world. And I was with a Fortune 100 home builder and I was selling new homes. You know, I've always crushed it in sales. This was no different. And I'm 24, 25, making more in a month than my parents ever made in a year. We didn't grow up with anything. I grew up in a little one bath house on a super busy road in Michigan. And I could buy anything I wanted, do anything I wanted, go anywhere I wanted. I'm living an unbelievable life and I'm absolutely miserable. And I wake up every day with that sinking, is this all there is feeling? And I was facing anxiety and depression and worse and found myself on an operating table. And I was about to give the discs and my back fused. And without going into all the medical side of that, sometimes your body will produce pain as a psychological response because you have such extreme mental stress that it's trying to preserve your brain, basically, is a really, really simplistic way of putting it. And you can go into all the research. But I stopped that surgery. A friend had given me a book by John Sarno called Healing Back Pain, which basically says your pain is in your brain. And here I am 20 years later. I never got the surgery. And what changed? I'd always been a student of life. By the time I was 24, 25, I'd probably read 200 nonfiction books. It's just, I was that kid who was 13 listening to Tony Robbins on my rollerblades with my disc man. You know, it's just everyone else figuring out what movie to go to, right? It's just, I was different. And I dove into those books. I said, you know, this isn't me. This isn't my life. I've got to change something here. I left corporate America. I left that job. I left the 401k. I left the company stock match. I left all of those things. At that time, I started a construction company. And the point here is that I went back into entrepreneurship because at my core, my values will tell you I'm an entrepreneur. And if you look at my top three values, and that's what we do in the Waves Method, and we'll talk more about that, but you know, my top three values are freedom, autonomy, and community. Now, take those three and imagine I'm sitting in a model home. I spend most days by myself, and I'm stuck there for 40 hours a week babysitting a garage. Why on God's green earth would I think that that would last, right? So at a very young age, I figured out that money is not necessarily where it's at. Personally, you can earn and earn and earn, but it doesn't fill that inexhaustible hole inside unless you're filling your cup in some other way. And so I went through every book I'd ever read and, you know, the Calm the Greats, but, you know, Rumi and Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer and, you know, Tony Robbins and Barbara DeAngelis and just, you know, all of those people who were personal development kind of self-help psychology authors to learn from. And I developed this system and it was just for me. I didn't never told anybody about it, but it was, it was ultimately a filter. And what the Waves Method is, it's your why, authenticity, values, exploration, and your statement of purpose. And I took years to develop those things and do those deep dives into the challenges, the failures, all the things that had kind of built me to where I was at that point. And every future decision I made from that point forward went through that filter. And if it didn't fit, I didn't do it. And, and I'm not talking just business decisions, relationship decisions, who I'm friends with, the activities I'm going to engage in, all of those things go through that filter. So fast forward 20 years and I, you know, multiple businesses later, and I know we've got some real estate background to talk about. And at 42, I sold my last business and retired. So I tell people I don't necessarily have to be doing anything. I could just go, I'd work on build classic cars in my spare time. I could just do that all day, every day if I wanted to. But here I am 
on a show with you. And I'm working 16, 18 hours a day because there's a much bigger purpose that I'm a part of now. I find that fascinating because, you know, a lot of people have this idea that, oh my God, if I could just strike the lottery, if I work hard and sell my business, get a big payout, then I'll find myself not needing to do anything and I won't do anything. But I don't think I've met someone that's had that and actually stopped doing anything because there's a fulfillment that comes from the actual work and the value that's being created. And I know for you right now, you're working on these projects around bringing people to experience the world abroad. I know that's a big mission that I want to talk about in a moment, but I want to talk specifically on one of the things you say, which is, you know, the pain is in the brain, right? And you talk that with relation to your back pain, but I wonder how much of the pain, which is just us believing to the beliefs that we've been taught, and it's causing the pains in our life to not think of things differently. We're not investigating. We're not even looking at what's going on where we're stuck and we don't see that there's these possibilities. We hear stories like yours and we know just like how I started. Most of the times it will go like, that sounds unbelievable, but that will never happen to me. So I heard hints of you reading personal growth, being exposed to that. What are the other ways that we can kind of remediate that pain in our brain that doesn't allow us to even see the possibility that we could find this kind of freedom in our lives? Yeah. I mean, and it's not anybody's fault, you know, that they don't think that way. We're just, we're not taught to think that way. And certainly in Western education and the way you go through school and you're kind of just taught to be a cog in a wheel and not ask questions and pass tests. And you're not necessarily taught to think. And that's not to discount the education system either. You know, I'm friends with a lot of teachers and it's just not something that's a part of our lives. And yeah, I talk about in the book, the reason, and I say all the time, when the student's right, the teacher appears, right? And the stuff we're talking about right now, somebody listening to this, it's either going to go, shit, that's a light bulb, man, I just need to think that way, or this isn't for me. And that's okay. They're both okay, right? You eventually will get there. And when you're exposed to something like this, I think the biggest thing that you need to do, when you have the idea, this speaks to your question about, you have that uncomfortable feeling where it's like that world out there is not speaking to me. There's got to be another way. The biggest thing you can do, and I, I have a whole chapter in the book about this, about finding your tribe. And once your eyes are open to concepts, you can't keep hanging out with people whose eyes aren't open. And it's, you're the average of your five closest friends. I mean, we hear all of these cliches, but they're so true. You know, I've always aimed to be the dumbest guy in any room. And that's why I've been successful. You know, if you're the smartest guy, if you're beating everybody at the tennis court, you're at the wrong tennis court. <laughs> You know, there's only one way to get better. But I think all of it starts with finding like-minded people. And we're out there. You're out there. I'm out there. Your whole audience is out there and has a very similar mindset about what's possible in the world and just not engaging with people who are going to shoot that down and tell you it's not right, quote unquote, and it's not possible. I love that. I want to poke at something else you said, which I know you've nuanced it, but I don't know if everybody picked up on is you talked about how job wasn't right for you. Entrepreneurial was the path to success. And it could be interpreted that that's the only path to success and a job cannot get you to where you want to go. But you spoke about your values around freedom and why entrepreneurship was your path based on your values. And I'd love for you to expand on that. Is entrepreneurship the only way you can achieve what you have achieved? Absolutely not. Hard no. <laughs> and you know, I was reading a stat the other day that most millionaires in the world are not entrepreneurs. They're not even the leaders of the company. They're the VP of eBay. They're the VP of Ford. 
you know, they're not even the one at the head of the deal or startups. They're not necessarily the one who is at the top of the startup. They're a part of the startup and they go along. So the most important thing is, and I certainly do not think entrepreneurship is for everybody because a lot of people cannot handle the level of accountability. I know it's all the rage of these days to be an entrepreneur and work for yourself, but entrepreneurs have more anxiety. They have more depression. Suicide rates are higher. Like there's a lot of studies around being an entrepreneur because it is extremely difficult to do it right. People use the term entrepreneur loosely, I think. So no, I don't think that's the only way. I think the important thing is finding your way. That's what we're not taught. We're not taught to take that deep dive into what you truly want as a human being. There's a book called The Death of Ivan Illich. Have you ever heard of that book? So it's a Tolstoy book. I haven't. It's super short. I'd recommend everybody go read it. I'm going to give you the spoiler alert now. So if if you're going to go read it, don't listen to what I'm about to say. He's on his deathbed at the end of his life and he looks up at his wife and he says, what if my whole life was wrong? I can't think of a more terrifying phrase. So when you ask yourself that question at 15, 20, 25, 45, instead of 75, what does that mean to you? When I get to the end of my life, do I want to have been a really great employee? Maybe that's the answer for you. Having contributed to a cause at whatever company you're at was a really meaningful thing for you, but you have to identify that and not just be drug along with what's right and what someone else's purpose is. Hmm. Yeah, I like this. And what I capture the most is what you said at the part is the fact that you're kind of lulled into floating on other people's dreams when you're not taking responsibility or accountability for the kind of life that you want, you know? And this kind of segues really well into the fact that you have the waves methods, which is actually about bringing to surface what are your wants, what are your whys, and being more conscious about it. So I'd love for you to expand on the waves method and how we can apply it in our lives to get closer to this million-dollar flip-flop ideology. Yeah, for sure. So the waves method starts with your why. And keep in mind as we go through these, everything you're building here, it's not only a deep look at yourself, but it's a decision filter. So look at it through that lens. But you start with your why. And when I ask my private clients in a coaching session or if we're on a workshop, like we were in a workshop not too long ago, it is, why do you get up every morning, but it can't involve money, power, or notoriety? And when you add those three qualifiers, typically you see kind of a blank look go over, why am I doing it if it's not for money? You know, is there another way to operate in the world? You know, so people that have never experienced that, it's an eye opener. But your why is that passionate reason you get up every morning other than a paycheck. And the A in waves is authenticity. And the reason I put that second is I found going through values with people, and this is before it was named the waves method, right? When you're going through values with people, they're going to tell you things. And I'm going to use the example of a mother. She's going to put down family as one of her values. Just because you're a mom doesn't mean family has to be your number one value. It's okay to be selfish. We're talking about your life. Not your life as necessarily a mom, not your kid's life, not your dad's life, not your pastor's life, not your coworker's life, your life. So the authenticity piece of that is being really brutally honest with yourself about yourself, which is not easy to do. And in the book, we give all kinds of ways to kind of, we call it an authenticity accelerator. It's ways to develop that because as you go into the V and waves values, your core values are what make you tick, right? And we just talked about my top three, freedom, autonomy, and community or connection. And as you look at your values, you want to rank them. And that's what we do in the waves method. So you want to, if you look at a list of a thousand values, you're going to pick out 30 or 40 that resonate with you. 
And they're completely different for everybody. And part of what I love about what I do is, is I get to see these values and then understand the backstory on it at a really deep level. So that's part of my way. But you want to rank them and you want to group them. So if you have 40 or 50 values that can't be actionable, you need four or five that say, okay, this is who I am. This is how I show up in the world. And then what we do with that is we explore. So that's the exploration. In it. And typically I'm working with a client for 12 months. We do workshops that are just a couple hours. And then we have courses and other things that do continuously elevated, deeper dives and additional accountability. And as you can see, the accountability piece is really important because if you sit right down family, you're doing this by yourself in your bedroom while you're reading the book, nobody's going to call you on that and say, why? And I treat it like I'm a toddler. Why? Well, because of this, why? Because of this, why? Because of this. And then you, I guess it's not my most important value. So the, that light bulb goes off. And as you explore and go out into your day-to-day with these values, and I typically ask people to either have it on their phone or have it written down. And I get pictures from clients all the time, like, oh man, I had this amazing day. And they're holding up their values list, which I just get the biggest kick out of. But you identify what is important to you in that moment. you know. And on the flip side of that, if it's just going wrong and you find yourself in a hole and you can't dig yourself out and you don't, where I was when I was 24, 25 years old, had I done this work ahead of that, I could have looked and understood really quickly that I wasn't living my values. It took me years to figure that out and build this filter. And ultimately, that's what I want for people, right? is to not have to go through what I went through. I know a lot of people, especially 08, 09, if you were in real estate, they killed themselves. They're not here anymore. And I wonder if they had had a list like this and they have the entire ways method, and I'll get to the SOP, why that's important, but maybe they'd still be here. You know, that's part of my why, you know, they understand that they're not alone and they're not the only ones that have these feelings and they feel that disconnect, but they don't know who to talk to about it, you know, or they're considered weak. You know, there's just so many stigmas around it, and especially with men and mental health. But ultimately, before we get too far off track, you know, the last piece of waves is you build your statement of purpose. That's your SOP. And that is parts of your values, parts of your why. But it's that quick, if you're in sales, it's your elevator pitch, right? It's that like two to three sentence this is who I am. This is why I show up in the world. This is who I want to be. This is who I serve. That's your SOP. If you're trying to stay focused on getting work done and eating throughout the day is something you think about, have to decide, and you're not sure what to do, and you just wish an option was available where the right meal with all of the specifications you want be available to you, easy to make under two minutes, well, luckily for you, Factor is available where you have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie. And you can enjoy over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons to help you make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. So what are you waiting for? You can get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking up for something fast that's upscale option done very easily. It's flexible on your schedule where you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep necessary. They're 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup necessary. Head to factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and use code sellingwithlove50 to get 50% off. That's code sellingwithlove50 at factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and you'll get 50% off. Not bad. 
I had a chance to experience you doing a small workshop with my tribe as we went through this Waze method. And it's very, very powerful to keep front of mind, especially by the fact that you have an SOP at the end, allows you to have that one statement that really gives you a chance to look at what's going on, what you want, and then match it to your reality. Because I'd assume you'd feel very disconnected if you're not even close to what your values and your SOP is. Yeah, for sure. And I think what we saw in your workshop with your folks, we had a couple people share their SOP at the end. And we did this really briefly. And you start to see why these things take time. But it was not her SOP, if you remember. It was kind of a piece of her why. And that's why it's so important to have somebody, it doesn't have to be me as a coach, but somebody that, and I'd love to talk about why you shouldn't listen to your friends and family for advice, but have somebody that has no skin in the game looking at this with you so that you can call that person and go, "Mm, I don't think that is your SOP because what we heard in that, and it's very common, is it was who she served. It wasn't why she was serving them for herself. There's a big difference. Yeah, I definitely appreciate that you're asking the why many times because you need to get to the root of it. But you highlighted it, and I am going to call it out. Friends and family, shouldn't they be a trusted source to tell you a bit more about yourself? Absolutely not. (laughs) There is an entire section in the book about this. And, you know, I like to say that the people that are closest to you are the ones that are going to hold you back. And it's not because they don't love you. It's because they're afraid of being left behind. And they're going to give you advice that is not the best advice for you. And the the really simple example I can give you, I moved to Charleston right after college and I didn't know anybody for 500 miles. And my mutual love of cars, I've had a billion cars. I met this fellow, Zach, and he helped me move. He helped me set stuff up. We were buddies. And he shares with me one day that he might be taking a job in Texas. Well, what's my advice going to be to Zach? It's... I don't want him to leave. He's my only friend at this point for 500 miles. Like, so am I going to really examine what he's doing and say, this is a great move for you, buddy. I should, but human nature tells me I don't want to lose my tribe. So you can't necessarily trust the people that are closest to you or that have any skin in the game based on whatever decision you're going to make. Hmm. Or rather have a skin, but it's maybe in their own biases and has nothing to do with you. (laughs) And so they don't know that. And, you know, you did clarify, it's not because they don't love you or care for you. Matter of fact, it is because of that love and care that could give them the, you know, foggy goggles when they give that advice. And, and so I was going to kind of elaborate more on that being, so if you're not going for friends and family, independent, is it psychologist? Is it psychiatrist? Is it finding a business mentor? Where do you usually find this kind of advice? So two pieces to that. And like, obviously I'm a coach, so I have a bias of myself. Like you should find a business coach or at a minimum, you should find a community of people who they're strangers, but you all live by a similar ethos. You know, you have that community, you know, you're going to get advice in your community. That's going to be very different from the advice you're going to get from your family, but they understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. You know, my coach and the community I'm in, and I think there's 900 of us in there, but it's very specific to what I do now. And I ask for advice and I get really unbiased advice. If I ask Nicole, my partner, for the same question, she may or may not give me the right answer because maybe she doesn't want me to go do that thing at a subconscious level. Hmm. I wanted to kind of touch on one of the pieces of your history, and obviously you're on Selling Without Podcast. So 
It sounds like sales has always been a friend to you. It sounds like it's something you even embraced as a young age. Part of your hustle involved this kind of comfort in sales. And I'd be curious to know how much of a advantage do you find or necessity it is to have this kind of natural or trained ability when it comes to sales to help you get to where you want to be in life? Without question. I mean, you have to have that ability. I think you have to have that ability to have any success in life. And I don't mean success in terms of I've got a billion dollars, but, you know, if you want your wife to go to the movies with you on Saturday, you've got a seller on that concept. You know, everyone is in some form of sales. It just might not look like selling forklifts in Florida. But, you know, we've talked about this before. There's, you don't sell from here, you sell from here. And the best salespeople in the world, it's, they believe in their product and they know that, for instance, when I was in construction. You know, we did a really good job. I mean, a really good job. In my old building days, the ethos was do what's right. You know, when nobody's looking and you could cut a corner, do what's right. And when you go into something with that mindset, you know that your product is saving someone from a shoddy product. It is a completely different way of selling that isn't selling at all. And I tell people, especially when you get into the more esoteric stuff, talking about your why and your values. And, you know, a lot of people think that's just woo woo, new age bullshit, right? It's not for everybody on their journey at where you meet them in their life. It's not for them. And I'm not here to convince you that it is. I'm here to put the idea in your mind. If it's for you, great. If it's not for you, also great. You know, what we do is help people who are open to that concept, take that to the next level. And if you put it in terms of what I'm doing now, I've watched, I coached baseball for a lot of years in Charlotte and over a decade. And I had multiple kids go on to play major league baseball. And I would see one of them on the street 10 years later and they would say, Coach Ryder, Coach Ryder, you will never believe it. They give me their story and what's happened. It's super awesome to be a part of that. They're like, do you remember that thing you told me X, Y, Z day? And I'm like, bro, no, I don't. <laughs> you know, and I feel bad for the teachers out there where they, everybody remembers their teacher, but the teacher doesn't remember the kids, you know? And it's just a volume thing, but you get those chills knowing that you had changed that kid's trajectory and something you shared with him about your life. I was five hours a day, five days a week for five months with these kids. I mean, you get to know them. You're on a baseball field. You're not in class. So it's like you really get to know them as people. And I get chills talking about it now. You know, it's just that feeling of knowing that you've impacted someone. So fast forward to what we're doing now. I watch these light bulbs go off every day in my coaching practice, working one-on-one. -on -one. We watch the light bulb go off in the workshop we did with your group. And I get those same chills that I got with my baseball boys. And so I know that if you accept these things and you go through this system, it will change your life for the better, period. So I'm doing a disservice not to be on this show right now and tell people about it. Because back to those folks from 0809, had this been around then, maybe they'd still be here. And you don't know how one word will affect somebody's life. You know, you catch them at the right time and maybe they had the same feelings I did. You know, is this all there is? What's the point of any of this? And you catch them and I don't want to say you save them, but you put an idea in their head that changes their trajectory. That's what we do every day. I think we underestimate the ripples of our actions. And especially when you're doing those positive actions, they have such a powerful ripple out there. 
And I think it's really, really great what you're putting together around not only just having the million dollar flip-flop mindset, having the lifestyle, being able to achieve this clarity so you're in alignment while doing it. But I also know that what you're doing is actually beyond you. You've just recently sold one of your big businesses. You're well established, yet you're putting a lot of this time and effort because there's a bigger why and a mission. And I'd love for you to take a few moments to share us more about, you know, why this project around bringing kids around the world is so important to you. Yeah. So everything we do is donated. And you know, I tell people, I don't have to do anything any day, yet I'm working 16, 18 hours a day, right? Why? One is because of what we just talked about. I get to see that change in individuals' lives, and that's awesome. But everything we do, the book, the journal, the courses, the programs, Mastermind, all of it gets donated. We donate 100% of our profits. None of this money is for me. So I'm not just some huckster out there selling some new IP that's got, I'm going to change your life. Like, that's not what it's about. All of it gets noted into our foundation, send a student leader abroad. And it has its own mission. And we're partnered with EF Tours, who is a $7 billion global leader in, did you do EF Tours? It wasn't EF Tours, it was actually ISEC. Okay. Okay. But a very similar program. So, you know, think if you aren't familiar with EF Tours, think seventh, eighth grader, typically they do gap years, they do other travel-based things, but it's that middle schooler that goes to Europe, let's say they go all over the world with a couple teachers, maybe a parent. And when I was 13 years old, we didn't grow up with any money, but my mom understood a lot of things and she was very wise. We, I lost my mom a couple of years ago unexpectedly and actually dedicate the book to her. But she was wicked smart, as they would say in Boston, <laughs> but she instilled in me that this know them only us principle. And she knew I needed to go on this trip, even though we couldn't afford it as a family. So she sends me it completely changes my outlook. Again, know them, only us, which you don't experience in just a small town in Michigan. And it also opened my world to travel. You know, at this point, I've been to 50 countries on six continents and I've experienced things I never would have experienced had that fire not been lit in me when I was seventh, eighth grade. And so what we do at Send the Student Leader Abroad is those same kids who the teachers identified who they are and then they apply and it's a matching grant. And we work with those kids to kind of instill that hustler mentality. You know, how can we earn money? How can we sell candy bars? Trip costs about four grand these days. What can we do to earn this money? But ultimately, Jason, if they only raise five bucks, we pay the other $39.95 for them to go on this trip. That's what Send a Student Leader Abroad does. And so they're able to go experience something that they otherwise would never have been able to it serves two things. Not only does it change their mindset, it shows them that there's somebody out there in the world that cares about them that they've never met. They have no idea who I am. I just someday come into their world and have this opportunity. But they also take that experience back to their community of other people that may not be able to afford a trip like that, and they start to change minds. It's an exponential web that goes out when something like this happens. I love it. We kind of come back to that ripple effect, which I'm definitely excited to see. And I don't know if you know this about me, but you know, you've already made reference. I had a chance to do a student exchange when I was 20. That got me to come to Southeast Asia. I still live in Southeast Asia. I realized that there's so much more that brings us to be more of the same than different. And I think that mindset makes us have a lot less struggles in the world, a lot more compassion. Nobody's a them anymore. Everyone's an us, as you've just shared. Roger, this was a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. I hope for everybody here, you're going to take the moments to go through the waves methods yourself. Go and listen again to our proper prompts. And Million Dollar Flip Flops is coming out soon on September 11th, I believe. You could correct me on that one, Roderick. 
12th, September 12th. So if you are listening to this podcast just before September 12th, then definitely pre-order a book. When you get to pre-order, it definitely encourages us to hit the top charts when it comes to book sales. And that really gets the chance to share this message to even more people. So take a moment. If this message resonates with you, million dollar flip-flops, making money, living the lifestyle based on your values in the style that you want, making a positive impact sounds good. You'll definitely want to pick up a copy of this book. So you have the practical exercises and all the goodies that come with a book to support you on your journey as well. And Roderick, there is one question that I ask all the guests that do come on the show. And I want to ask it to you as well, which is you are on the Selling with Love podcast. So what does selling with love mean to you? I think I already said it. You know, you don't sell from here, you sell from here. Well, for those who are listening in, I will just make a reference that when Roderick mentions that, he is saying, you're not selling from the head, you're selling from the heart while pointing to those organs. Roderick, it was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for everything you've shared. I wish all the best. Thank you so much. And for all of you listening, keep your heart into it. Go and get those flip-flops, make that million dollars. And of course, keep selling with love. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast.